team. Come on, let's really thank the team. How cool is Zoe on the cello? I love it. Hey, you can take your seats. And uh, it's great to be together tonight, as Pastor Sue said. And, you know, Christmas Eve particularly. Uh, there's something special about Christmas Eve, isn't there? Because uh, it's all yet to happen in a sense. There's this, I think it's anticipation. So of all the, everything that we do around Christmas, Christmas Eve tends to be the, the moment that where all the anticipation comes to a head. And, uh, and of course, it's amazing, like when you celebrate Christmas, how quickly, once you've had Christmas Day, it kind of disappears, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? And, uh, and so tonight I want to take a few moments and, um, and I want to finish our series. We've been doing a series on the incarnation. And of course, that's, that is what Christmas is all about. The fact that God became flesh, you know, far beyond presents and Santa Claus or this or that and the other, and even far beyond some of the things that we sort of do in church life through the year. Ultimately, everything springs out of the fact that God was prepared to become man in what we call the incarnation, which literally means to embody something. And, uh, and here God comes to us in the form of Jesus Christ. And so I want to conclude this. So in a couple of weeks, we've not only looked at the value of the incarnation, but what it means to us. Like, how does the incarnation affect me today? Is there meaning in it for me today? And of course, everything in Scripture and certainly everything to do with Jesus Christ's ministry is relevant for us right now. Now, and sometimes amazingly so, it's as if some passages in Scripture, some thoughts from Scripture and some teachings of the Bible were actually for today. And of course they were. Um, And so the first week we looked at incarnating Jesus through our own lives by emptying ourselves of our own agendas. Because not only was the incarnation massive for the world in the sense of we have a saviour born to us. That's what we're celebrating right now. But the fact that we are then called to walk in his footsteps and be as he was in this world, to literally live out the Christ life. And so the first week we looked at the the way that we empty ourselves of our own agendas. And uh, the second week, we looked at incarnating Jesus by loving and serving others. So living this selfless life and then demonstrating it with others. And uh, and so I want to continue this tonight. And we're going to actually look at incarnating hope. Incarnating hope. What a message for our world. I mean, our world's got some issues at the moment. But I tell you what, if, if ever there was a time for the Christian voice to be heard, you know, not so much, I don't know, in some of the madness we see out there and proclaiming our own opinions but actually proclaiming Jesus Christ, the risen saviour, the healer of the world, the only hope that this world really, really has. What an opportunity we've got right now. And so we're going to go to to the scripture in a moment. But first, I just want to talk about that first Christmas, that first season or that time when Christ was born. Because the context can be lost on us. I think because we've, you know, with the commercialization of Christmas, the fact that we have celebrated and marked it in the Christian calendar as something to celebrate, sometimes we can sort of forget the actual context that this all happened in. It didn't happen at a happy time. 
It didn't happen in a good time. It actually all occurred, Christ being born of a virgin as saviour of the world happened in the darkest points of not just Israel's history as a nation, but maybe the nations of the world to this point. The people of Israel and most people on the planet at that point were expressing or experiencing oppression and tyranny, the real stuff. They really had something to fear. They really had something to complain about. A very real oppressive one world government who ruled at the edge of a sword, the Roman Empire. They had a loss of national autonomy. They were no longer their own people. They were part of a conglomerate and they had to do what they were told, whether it went against their values or not. They had brutal treatment, slavery. They were even taxed simply for being Jewish as a way that the Roman government tried to increase Caesar worship and to discourage proselytization, they were taxed for their belief in God because they believed in the wrong God, according to the government of the day. But they had a promise. As a matter of fact, they had a continuous string of promises, starting right from Genesis 3, when man falls away from God. The chapter starts very, very badly with man's disobedience, but it ends with the promise. So often, every chaotic, every painful story in Scripture, God always has a promise attached to it. And in Genesis 3, it's that the seed of woman would crush the serpent's head, the very one that beguiled man, that tore him from his place of influence and security, would be crushed by the seed of the very thing he was trying to destroy. Genesis chapter 3. And then Israel's prophets begin to paint that picture very, very clearly of what that would look like. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Chapter 9, Isaiah says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In verse 9, he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so the children of Israel had these promises in the darkest of times. God was showing them it's not always going to be this way. Something is going to shift. Something always does. If you look at the passage of all Bible history and human history, something always shifts. God's got a plan. Some people are acting like God's fallen off the throne. God's got a plan. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's got a plan. It's okay to say, I don't see it at the moment. It's okay to say, I don't see it. But he's got it, I guarantee it. And then we go to places, uh, other places where the prophets even literally say where he'll be born. And of course, we draw elements of the Christmas story from this. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, through you, though you are, sorry, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me, 
one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And these prophets, you know, they're seeing stuff, maybe not totally razor sharp clearly, but they're articulating things. It's like he's going to rule Israel, but he's like from ancient days. He's yet to come, but he always was. And, and, and it's like the prophet doesn't really know how to express that, but he's trying to put it down. Now we look back on it and it looks as obvious as. Because it's all fulfilled in Jesus. John the, the apostle sums it up, the beginning of his gospel, when he says, in the beginning, talking about Jesus, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then down to verse 14, he says, Eventually the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, talking about Jesus Christ. And you know, I think we all understand that we too live in dark times. Pastor Sue mentioned the present uncertainty that we're living with, where suspicion and fear have created turmoil for many, set friends and even family against one another, and turned people's lives upside down. And I think at times like this, it always pays just to stop and get a little bit of Bible wisdom. I mean, it's like everyone's got an opinion out there. What does Scripture say to us? And I'll tell you one thing, the wisest man apparently to live was King Solomon. He wrote so many proverbs and books of wisdom. And listen, listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, what has been will be again. And what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. You could sum it up this way. You know, stuff comes in different forms, but it's actually not new. But we forget our own history so quickly. We forget the previous generation like that. And sadly, uh, you know, if we're around long enough, we'll be forgotten too. And that has never changed. That is the way of our world and one of the pains of humanity. So listen to this. Whenever our world is ravaged by some disease or whenever some new tyrannical ruler and their thugs rise and oppress people or whenever the economy takes a hit and people suffer lack, it's actually a reminder of how temporal this world is. That this has all happened before in some form. And that the world as we know it is not necessarily our home. It's a reminder that Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. 
And he also said, in this world, you will have trials, but be of good cheer (laughs) because I've overcome the world. These are reminders for us. You know, he didn't mean I've made it comfortable and safe. That's not what Jesus was saying when he said, I've overcome the world. He wasn't saying, it's all good now. (laughs) There's no issues. He was saying that through faith, I lived beyond the circumstances, beyond the crush, beyond the push, beyond the pressures of this present age. I was able to live beyond them with joy and hope and even face the cross for the joy set before me. And because he's overcome the world, because he's overcome every situation, so can we. This is the power of the incarnation. He lived the same life with the same limitations that we have. He felt pain. He sweated too. He was oppressed. He was falsely accused. He was, you know taken and beaten and murdered all as an innocent man. He faced the greatest of trials and is able to say, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I will not be limited by this. And because he's incarnated that, come on church, we can incarnate that too. We can live with the same level of hope, the same level of love, the same level of compassion for others and see beyond our present pain. And live for something bigger than ourselves. And that's what the gospel calls us to. That's what the incarnation calls us to. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. To recognise God's redemptive hand reaching out to humanity. In spite of our obvious internal problems. And even at times our outward rejection of him. The Apostle Paul, in summarising what God was up to through Jesus Christ, said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Some versions put it this way, that uh, God was in Christ, literally. And that's how we understand, what we understand of the incarnation, that God became man. When Jesus hung on the cross, God was hanging on the cross himself. And he says, he's reconciling the world to himself. Listen to it, not counting people's sins against them. Literally, if, if God was against you, he wouldn't have come. Just the fact that Jesus come is this big, hello, I'm for you, I'm with you, I haven't rejected you. Paul puts it this way in another place in Romans. He says that uh, while we were yet sinners, this is how God demonstrates his love. While we were yet sinners, he didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to come to church. He didn't wait for any of that. While we were still broken, lost, and even swearing at him, he came and died for us to show that the issue was not his. I'll build a bridge all the way to the other side. And all you have to do is step on and we're reconciled. I think it's been put brilliantly in the past by an astronaut. Remember the first man to walk on the moon? And he says that's one small step for man, but one giant leap 
for mankind. And in a sense, what we're saying, what Jesus is saying in the incarnation, what Christmas is saying to us is that God has taken a giant leap towards man. And now he's just looking for a step from us. Would you take that step towards him? Because he's already done most of the journey. And this is the power of the incarnation. It's a revelation of who God really is and what he's really like. The God that for millennia was seen vaguely and often feared, drew near in the face and person of Jesus Christ. We saw who he really was and we discovered a God who forgave the seemingly unforgivable, a God who reaches out to even the most outcast, the most rejected and offers life, healing and wholeness. That's what, the, that's what the incarnation means to us. I want to read that passage just, just before I close. I just want to read that passage in a different version of the scripture and then, then I want to bless you with something. Are you doing okay? Doing okay? Christmas Eve, come on, lots of expectation in the air. Out of the Message Bible, it says, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. I love the way, Paul, way the, um, Eugene puts that, the guy who did that translation. So not only we are, are we friends with God, we're called to help other people be reconciled to God and to one another. And I want to bless you tonight in Jesus' name. I want to release you from the need in a world full of opinions and ignorance. I want to release us from the need to be right about anything except one thing, <laughs> that this world needs a saviour and his name is Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, that's the only thing we really need to be right about. So what should our response be? I mean, how should the incarnation tonight, we've talked about emptying ourselves, serving others, how should the incarnation influence us? Well, when I look at it, they lived in the darkest of days. The people of Jesus' day lived in the darkest of days with great expectation. Even though those days were so dark, it had not dampened their desire. My goodness, when, when Mary goes up to dedicate Jesus, now think about this, there's a gap in Scripture of 400 years from the last prophet to the first of the Gospels in the time of Christ. 400 years of silence. And when Mary goes to dedicate the baby, there's two people there 
one guy that God had spoke to and said, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And another woman who spent all the time just in fasting and prayer and she realised it was here. You've got people who've dedicated their lives to wait and they'd already been and their previous generations had been waiting 400 years and yet their expectation was still up here. Oh my goodness, come on people of God. We've got the Spirit of God living in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. This Christmas, we have the incarnation to look at and go, that's how Jesus did it, how he faced the cross, how he faced injustice and found joy in it and lived beyond it. And we see people living in the darkest of times, living with great expectation that a better day was around the corner and they were prepared to wait hundreds of years for it, which in an instant coffee society doesn't bode well for us, does it? We spit, how quickly do we spit the dummy when we don't get our way? But the incarnation says, come on people, there's more in you than that. There's more in you than that. You've got resilience. You've got a witness of the Holy Spirit within that a better day, Jesus has not fallen off the throne. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ and He shall reign forever. That's what the book tells me. I believe in you're all smiling, but with masks I can't tell. We can find security, hope and even joy in spite of imperfect circumstances and situations. And we are called, what Paul's talking about with reconciling people, we're called to incarnate hope, to embody hope. When people meet us, we should be the most hopeful people they've ever met. They should go, you're the most hopeful person I've met today. Just meeting, I'm so glad I spoke to you because now I just feel like there's hope after talking to you. And I know that we could say, well, that's difficult at the moment. Look at this turn. We're back wearing masks. Thank you, Lord, for a great sermon illustration right there. It's hard to feel hopeful when it feels like you're taking a step back or something like that. Hey, come on. This is what faith is. Faith sees beyond the circumstance. Sees beyond the moment, the pressure of the moment. As ugly as the pressure of the moment might be, it can see beyond that and it has hope within it that a better day will come. So I want to encourage us tonight, take a step towards hope. You know, God's already taken a giant leap. And for some of us, maybe we, we just need to, Christmas is a great time to look away from ourselves, even look away from some of the freedoms or some of the whatever that's in question right now. Just look away towards hope, towards the one who incarnated hope and faith and love. And go, man, I've got to lift my eyes off my circumstances and off what doesn't suit me and live on a different level for the sake of others. So that when people meet me, it's almost like they met Jesus. I thought that was God's point (laughs) in the incarnation. He came and lived the life to show us that we could live like this too. 
I've overcome the world. So I want to encourage us. Maybe you've never taken that step toward God. So for some of us, it might be, gee, I need to take that step back into that place of hope. I've let circumstances redirect me. I need to get back to hope, faith, and love. Remember that? That's what Paul said. These three things will remain when everything else is shaken. Faith, hope, and love. I need to get back to that. Maybe you've never been there, either in the room here or with us online tonight. Maybe you've just never actually taken that small step towards God. I just want to encourage you. I think Christmas Eve 2021 (laughs) would be a perfect time. If you've never actually opened your heart to Jesus Christ, to the Saviour of the world, if you've never found yourself at His feet in a moment like this, where you turn your heart over and you say, Jesus, I need you in my life, then you have an opportunity now, whether it's the first time in a long time or whether you've never done it before, you have an opportunity right where you sit to open your heart to the Saviour of the world simply say yes to Jesus I want you in my life friend can I encourage you to do that because he wants to embody something in you he wants his faith to flow into your heart he wants his hope to flow into your heart he wants his love to flow into your heart and you can be as he is in the world or as he was in the world the same beacon of light in a very dark place. Those who are in great darkness saw a great light. How cool is that? That's Christmas. That's the beginning of hope for humanity. That's why we celebrate tonight. I'd love to pray for you tonight. Love to pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everyone here tonight, everyone under the sound of my voice with us online. And I just pray that this Christmas hope would be forged in our hearts afresh because of all you did in coming and giving yourselves to us. Let hope reign in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.